Today on City Cash Chicago. Next week, some 10,000 cops will vote on who leads the city's largest police union, the Fraternal Order of Police. The president of the FOP is one of the most prominent public voices on everything from the department's relationship with City Hall to police reform. WBEZ's Chip Mitchell tells us about the two candidates vying for the office. It's Monday, January 30th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Chip, welcome to CityCast Chicago. Jacoby, a pleasure to be here with you. I, I really appreciate you. Uh, John Catanzara is the current FOP president. Uh, can you tell CityCast listeners who this individual is and, and what is he known for? Basically, what is, what is his reputation? Well, uh, before he was elected president of the union in 2020, um, he was a veteran cop, vet patrol officer. He gained a lot of attention, though. He was well known in the rank and file for being an outspoken supporter for Donald Trump. Um, that was even while in uniform. Um, he also once uh, notoriously filed a criminal report on Eddie Johnson, the police superintendent at the time, for marching with protesters on an expressway. Uh, that report and a bunch of social media posts that Catanzara made um, uh, on Facebook deployed vulgar or allegedly racist language um, on a variety of topics. All those led to a recommendation that he be fired. This was actually the third time he had been um, recommended for dismissal. Um, the police board hearing uh, on that firing ended abruptly when Catanzara retired from CPD instead. So Jacoby, as president of the union, he's been in for three years. Uh, he's uh, headed a 28-member board of the union that has not included a single black member um, there have been many explosive moments uh, during his term. I, I guess none more explosive than um, it was uh, the evening of the January 6th riots. I gave him a call and he agreed to speak on tape on the record. And he made comments very supportive of the rioters um, in sympathy with them, defending them. And, and But when he came into office or, or when he came into this elected position, right, this is Weeks later, the uprisings, not only in Chicago, but across the nation happened. And he was not nearly as sympathetic uh, to those individuals who, who were sort of marching for what they believed in. But come January 6th, when individuals are, you know, breaking into the Capitol building, uh, he seemed to to have a, a different tone. Yeah, right. This is not somebody who's who's prone to supporting protesters. In fact, yeah, the previous summer during the protests here in Chicago uh, over the Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd, um, there were there were there was a cop who kneeled in support, uh, who kneeled in solidarity with the protesters and a black cop, a black woman. And Katanzara moved to have her expelled from the union. And it led to a, a really extraordinary moment right in front of the union hall, the lodge hall um, uh, in, in the West Loop, where you had all of these black retired police officers protesting against their former union, mm -hmm. some of them their current union, if, if they remained in. So what what has the support inside the union been like? Especially among white cops um, who are still about 45% um, of the department, he's very popular. He has been very popular, at least. He won by a large margin in the runoff election three years ago, um, unseated the incumbent. Officers 
at least in the past, have felt like they need a, a louder voice, and they certainly got one with John Catton Zara. Now, some of that may be starting to wear off, as we'll discuss. He's got a a, a pretty formidable challenger in this uh, re- in his reelection uh, campaign here. Uh, who's challenging Catton Zara, and, and what is their um, sort of recorded history? Well, it's a detective. His name is Robert Bartlett. He goes by Bob. He was hired by CPD in 1998, so he's roughly the same generation as Kat and Zara. Eventually, he was appointed by a uh, former president of the union to be one of its field representatives. And this is where he, um, you know, he becomes well, really well known among the rank and file because he's moving around the city talking with members around the city about problems on their job. And then he lost in 2020 a very close um, race for one of the vice president posts. He went back to active duty as a cop and he quickly made detective. Yeah, Bartlett has come out and called, you know, in your own reporting, you know, said that Katanzar style is undisciplined, that he gives out bad advice. And, and he's arguing, Bartlett, that he will be even a stronger voice. You know, but when you kind of look at their history, you know, Bartlett has also um, protested reform in the consent decree. Are they much different when you think of the the policies they support? You know, if we focus narrowly on communication style, um, yeah, there, there. I think there are some significant differences between um, the the slate that is challenging Catanzara in this election. Catanzara is constantly carping at the mayor and uh, and her superintendent David Brown. That, uh, in the view of the slate challenging him, is too excessive, and and it is hurting union relations with people that might actually sometimes be inclined to support the union. Even aldermen that represents un- uh, wards that are um, heavily uh, populated by police officers and firefighters have have had run-ins with Catanzara. Now, on the other hand, um, both of these candidates. Catanzara, the incumbent, Bob Bartlett, the challenger. They're both white men in a union long run by white men. They've both spoken highly of Donald Trump. They've both bitterly criticized Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, for going hard on cops, not hard enough on people arrested by cops. They've both uh, opposed efforts repeatedly to toughen police oversight. Bartlett, just a few years ago, um, he he gained some prominence in the public eyes because there, uh, there was reporting about him out in front of CPS, Chicago Public Schools headquarters. Mm-hmm. He was leafleting, leafleting against a curriculum for middle and high school students uh, that the city had agreed to um, about the torture of detainees by detectives under disgraced commander John Burge. And, you know, it, it actually gives the impression that they didn't mind the tactics of these detectives under Burge, or they were in some very severe denial that any of it took place. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very well documented. So I doubt we'll see any noticeable difference in how the union, um, uh, for example, uh, directs funds for defending cops in trouble for alleged misconduct. So Bartlett, he himself was, um, he was on the Lodge's legal defense committee as it paid for years and years of a legal team defending Jason Van Dyke against the criminal charges that eventually sent him to prison for um, for killing teenager Laquan McDonald. I mean, this history of supporting disgraced police officers, even 
uh, ones who have been you know brought up on criminal charges again it r- runs through the history of FOP presidents going out to you know all the way back to Deneen who supported Burge uh, Donahue who you know made sure that the FOP helped pay for for Burge's defense and so even now having a candidate kind of continue in those efforts you know kind of feels par for the course well I got to say some one one thing which is that you know, workers, working class people, there's a widespread recognition that they deserve rights and that they deserve to have a union. And there's a union principle that, you know, unions represent um, even bad apples um, because if if the bad apples are, if their rights, for example, to due process are not um, uh, protected, then it affects the whole rank and file. So it's not for nothing that that uh, that we have these conflicts about the, the the role of the FOP. But but to be clear, you know, when we talk about UIC faculty, you know, uh, striking, it's different because you know maybe some of their members aren't shooting people in Chicago. And and so while it is important for unions to support their members, I do think at some point a union has to take a stand in, in recognizing that they're. Uh, you know, their membership is in a relationship with the city at large. Throughout the FOP in Chicago's 60-year history, they have only grown their influence in city politics and state politics. And right now, we're in the midst of our municipal elections. What's the relationship been like between Kat and Zara's FOP and current Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her administration? Well, he's been one of uh, Lightfoot's, I don't know, one of her most effective uh, uh, critics, but definitely, you know, maybe the loudest. He's constantly railing on Lightfoot. It's one, you know, Mm -hmm. she's one of his uh, favorite targets. Um, You know, he led the resistance to her mandate that all city employees report their COVID vaccination status, um, even though he himself had been vaccinated. He himself was promising for months to run for mayor, but then bowed out. How does that compare to, you know, previous mayors? Did Daly or did uh, did Rom did they face as, you know, stiff criticism from the FOP? Well, I've been in Chicago going on 17 years now. I don't think there's been in that time uh, talking about uh, what three mayors. I don't think there's been such a contentious relationship. Um, now, Catanzara, I, uh, I will say that he did score at least one big victory for Lodge 7 members during his term. Catanzara's team won contract provisions that led to a big, big multi-year retroactive paycheck for all the city's cops. Um, it's roughly 2, 2.5% annual raises. You know, he, he got these big checks in the mail for every member. So um, uh, I, it'll be interesting whether they remember that. We know that the union has endorsed Paul Vallis for mayor. Is that a significant endorsement for a candidate? Does it help propel them to victory? Has FOP endorsements been, you know, uh, had much swaying power? We haven't yet seen any big checks so far from the lodge, um, but it would be a surprise not to see some union funds flow to Vallis before long. Just the membership of the union, it's 10,000 active cops who every one of them is supposed to be living in the city. Um, so can vote in the city, plus a few thousand retirees, many, some of them still live in the city. So, um, you know, the, the FOP Lodge 7, it may, it may only be about half the size of the Chicago Teachers Union, but yeah, it's still significant, um, especially, especially, and this is crucial, if the union mounts a serious 
get out the vote effort in in the in, you know the days and the the weeks leading up to the election. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, that's not the only you know, thing they're focused on. They release aldermanic uh, um, endorsements, but also the FOP has been really active in the newly created police district council races. Can you remind listeners what those councils are and and what the union has been doing there? Yeah, super interesting. It took years of lobbying by police reform supporters to get these councils passed into law. What they'll be is uh, locally elected councils in each of the city's 22 police districts. Um, and they're supposed to help provide feedback to each uh, the commander and and uh, to each district about local priorities and policies, basically help to oversee the police locally. The first elections for these district councils are next month, um, at the same time as the mayor's election. And it's interesting that the FOP, the, the union that represents cops, is putting money into races for these district council elections. Um, that's even though they were specifically created, to give regular community members more oversight over the police. So what we've seen so far, and this is thanks to reporting by my WBZ colleague, Anna Safchinka, um, the Lodge paid $25,000, this is what has been reported, at least $25,000 to two election attorneys to try to kick candidates off the ballot in at least three uh, police districts. All three of those ballot challenges, by the way, failed. But it's just interesting that the union sees these district councils as significant and is willing to put real money into these races. You know, why should the general public care who runs the police union? Well, this is the union for um, all of the rank and file cops, you know, detectives, patrol officers, of course, evidence technicians, 10,000 of them. Um, it's the largest city department. Um, it it employs the people who many, many residents of the city consider to be on the front lines against violent crime. So it, it's, it is significant, and we have to be paying attention to who leads that union. Now, wh- wh- one thing I'm paying attention to a lot is as the demographics in the union um, shift, and you know, this is a long-term change, um, white cops are a minority in the department, about uh, last I looked around 45%. Um, as their numbers, um, uh, you know, decline, and um, uh, we may eventually see, um, you know, uh, cops of color um, mount a challenge. So far, um, uh, that has not taken place. Chip Mitchell covers criminal justice for WBEZ. Thank you again for joining us here at CityCast. It's really my pleasure, Jacoby. Thank you. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Cook County is back at low risk for transmission of COVID-19 after nine weeks. The Chicago Department of Public Health also announced it will no longer update COVID data daily, but rather every Wednesday. Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage is hosting a public meeting at Pilsen's Benito Juarez High School this Wednesday at 630 to discuss the rise in property taxes. Pilsen residents saw some of the most dramatic increases. After three years, the affordable transportation option Megabus is back in Chicago. They'll have routes to 23 cities with some fares as low as $1. And some good news to get you through. Today's good news comes from a CityCast listener. Good morning, CityCast. Uh, my name is Georgia. I live in Irving Park, and my business is that I have gotten to work as a substitute in kindergarten all week, and kindergartners are wonderful, not shy about sharing their love, and it's been a very positive experience for me 
and I hope that they have had been having as much fun as I have. Thanks for all the great work that you do, and um, have a great week. Thank you, Georgia. You can tell us your good news by leaving us a voicemail at 773-780-0246. I'm going to be here tomorrow doing what I do best. Hopefully you'll join me. Peace.